Welcome to Dad's Meat World, uh, a podcast where two dads sit down and figure out what life lessons can we learn from a 90s TV show. I am one of those dads, Tyler. And I am the other one of those dads, Brett. Welcome aboard this fun podcast express. How are you doing tonight, Tyler? I am doing quite well, quite well indeed. How are you, Brett? I'm doing all right. It's been a busy weekend, but it felt good to just kind of sit back last night and immerse myself into a couple of uh, episodes of young Corey and his uh, not-quite-aged friends. Yeah, um, I don't know if you realize this, uh, but it feels like Corey keeps having a new friend every single week. I'm really hoping they'll get that figured out. (laughs) It does, yes. Uh, I think... uh I think they might get around to figuring that out, but uh, uh, we'll see. For now, let's call it the, uh, I don't know, death chair feels a little too, little too mean, a little too final. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, apparently that's what it? the cast used to call that, though. <laughs> uh, yes, it is. So for, yes, for the record, uh, Brad and I have watched the show many a times. Uh, we love the show. We've talked about it for years. And then we just kind of were chatting one day. And we were like, hey, we like talking to each other and we like talking about Boy Meets World. Why don't we just record ourselves talking about it? <laughs> Indeed. I uh, I actually grew up with Boy Meets World when uh, Boy Meets World first premiered in 1993. Uh, mm-hmm. I was, let's see, Corey was supposed to be 11 years old. I was actually nine years old, just about to turn nine the night it premiered. So I kind of, I very literally grew up with Corey in those early years. And mm-hmm. as it's gone on, I mean, I would catch it in reruns. They finally brought it out on DVD, and I had all the DVDs very soon after they were released. And now it's hit streaming, and between DVDs and streaming, all of my kids have been exposed to Boy Meets World and have become fans themselves. And that makes me so happy to hear. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting is that when I think back to my childhood, I knew Corey as like a teenager because uh, I was born in 92. So I don't remember whenever they first start airing, but I can very much remember like their senior year and like very vividly those watching those episodes with my family and then you know they were always playing at reruns um on some channel somewhere so i feel like i was always watching them you know here there uh especially whenever disney um the disney channel became like where everyone finally had access to it because uh, for years it was like only with the box could you get it and then it was like one year they're like hey uh we'll just give it to you with the rest of cable <laughs> like sweet um so yeah boy meets world felt like it was always on on disney channel um, oh yes yeah. and that was before they started doing that really weird let's draw the mickey mouse head in the corner that never really lined up with the wand that they were all using <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was a thing. (laughs) (laughs) So Um, what we'll do, uh, why don't we tell everyone what we're going to do with these uh, podcast episodes here, Tyler? Well, I guess we can do that. Uh, So what we're going to do is we're going to take every single episode, scene by scene, moment by moment, and figure out... You know, what what can we glean from this show? You know, it's it's uh, roughly, you know, almost 30 years old at this point, uh, a little over 30 years old, I guess, whenever it premiered. So, you know, what what life lessons can we get from it? You know, is uh, Feeney's lessons still relevant today? Um, and as we watch it as adults, you know, how do we how are we impacting or sorry, how are we interacting with it now and how does it impact <laughs> us? Um, and especially as we have children uh, who are watching this now, too, and we're watching it with them. Um, so I think it's going to be fun. Um, you know, may, maybe we'll bring in a guest or two special person. Uh, we'll see how that looks like when we get to it. But for the most part, it's just going to be us two dads uh, going through and talking about all this. So we're going to start with the pilot episode titled the pilot (laughs) all right and so just for uh because i'm an incredibly uh detail oriented nerd tyler and i are gonna kind of throw primary hosting duties back and forth for each episode he's gonna take the odds i'm gonna take the evens 
But uh, we'll give you guys a synopsis, and uh, I, I like to be really nerdy, and uh, I grabbed all kinds of credit episode credits like uh, air dates, IMDb ratings, writers, directors, all that fun stuff. Uh, so, uh, Tyler, do you have a synopsis for this one, or do you want me to read the one I've got? Um... Why don't you go ahead and read the one you got, only because I can tell it to you, but it's not concise and didn't actually write one out. So <laughs> you're a little more prepared than I am. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Pilot episode, uh, also known in reruns and the original title before they had to title it pilot because... All pilot episodes get titled that for whatever reason. Corey is caught. Oh, sorry. Brother's Keeper. That was the title I was building up to. <laughs> Corey is caught listening to the Phillies game in class while Mr. Feeney is trying to teach the class about love. Eric decides to take his girlfriend on their first date to the Phillies game instead of Corey. So Corey decides to live in his treehouse. Yes. Now, this episode was written by series creators Michael Jacobs and April Kelly, directed by John Tracy, and it originally aired September 24th, 1993, 8.30 p.m. time slot, sandwiched between Family Matters and Step by Step, debuted to 16.5 million viewers, ranking it as the fifth highest viewed show of the entire night, and currently Wait, has... Yes. Did you mean step by step, day by day? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I just yep. feel like when you say that's that title of the show, you just you have to start singing the song. You kind of do. Yeah. So we've got <laughs> Chicago, Philly, and then Wisconsin for some reason. Uh, but yeah, mm -hmm. fifth highest viewed show of the night uh, out of all shows wow. on that Friday night and currently enjoys a 7.9 out of 10 uh, rating on IMDb. Wow. That's actually really uh, surprising. Mm -hmm. Indeed. So let's uh, let's kick this off. Yep. Uh, so the very first scene of the entire series takes place in the lunchroom. Uh, we see young Corey uh, going and getting a snack out of the vending machine. And uh, Mr. Feeney walks up and wonders, hey, kid, uh, what are you doing getting garbage? And Corey <laughs> looks back at him and goes, hey, what are you doing drinking garbage? Um, and so we, we kind of established really quickly, like, these two kind of like to throw jabs at one another. Yeah, and it, we really get to know Mr. Feeney right off the bat. He's already shown to be very formal and very proper. He's addressing Corey as Mr. Matthews. And mm -hmm. I, love his, I love his sign there when Corey calls his coffee astronaut juice. He says, there's no gravity in space. Therefore, referring to astronauts, they suck up. Because Corey talks about sucking down astronaut juice. Learn from them. <laughs> it's just such uh -huh. a very, very concise and witty barb from the teacher there. I'm going to read this real quick. because This is the first line that Sean Hunter, Corey's best friend since four years old, says. Now, that's more context we get later on. But for right now, Sean is just kind of a random kid at school. You know, they're friends, but they're not like the mm -hmm. bestest of friends. Um, but he, this is the only thing he really says, the first line. Uh, he's a teacher, man. Keep ragging on him. And he's going to make your whole sixth grade year miserable. <laughs> now, I think what's so interesting about that, because as the show progresses, it is, you know, Sean, who is the one that's making things difficult and trying to be disrespectful and disruptive, you know, and Corey's the one who's like, hey, man, you need to knock this off because we got to, you know, we got to be careful. We don't want to get grounded again. They really do swap personality, mm -hmm. at least concerning the school environment from that first scene at breakfast. Which is, uh, it was always a foreign thing to me. I, I went to a school in the middle of nowhere, and we did not have breakfast before school in the lunchroom. Uh -huh. <laughs> now, my kids today I, have that opportunity. Now, they take advantage uh -huh. of it all the time, but I didn't when I was growing up. Uh -huh. I mean, we had a, a school breakfast, but very few people did it. Um, I know I did not. Um, it was always grab something, get in the car, because mom's going to lose it if we don't get moving. <laughs> <laughs> so we move into then the boys uh, discussing about the fact that there's a female teacher who uh, Feeney's talking with. 
Um, this is the only episode this female teacher is in, and uh, we never see her again. So, <laughs> yep. R.I.P. Evelyn. Uh, yes, Mr. Thank Feeney's, you for your service, Evelyn. Uh, his potential paramour. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we move into uh, Corey and Sean and their other friend Nicholas discussing uh, how late they stayed up. By using uh, one of the night shows, uh, late night shows. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'll admit, I'm not sure which one they're talking about. My assumption would probably be, um, oh, what's his name? David Letterman is it, my guess. It, it would have had to have been Letterman or Leno at this point. 93 mm-hmm. my, would be my guess. Those are the two right. big names I remember at that point. Um mm-hmm. Uh, because Letterman had already, uh, really, those were those were it at the time at, in that time slot that they would have been able to stay up for. But I think it's just so fascinating that, like, at in the '90s, like that was the thing. Like, how late could you stay up before you got in trouble mm-hmm. or passed out? That's and what you we did. That. Yeah. Right. And I can't I can't say that I ever had these types of conversation contests, but I I can remember staying up on special nights where there was. You know, a special guest on one of those evening programs or uh, something special on the evening news that aired at 11 before them that was, you know, worth staying up for that my parents will let me stay up for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I'm just going to throw this out there. So the final tally is monologue, first guest, bad sketch, funny zoo animal, and then Steve Lawrence. Um that's a lot going on in potentially like the first half hour or so of a talk show. <laughs> and yet it all fits. That's exact. And sadly, that's pretty much the same exact formula that they s- largely stick to these days. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the bad animal we swapped in for a second guess most of the time, but yeah. <laughs> Right. That's true. I mean, I guess like I think a lot of times like more of the late nights are getting much longer, you know, like I don't Mm -hmm. watch them myself all that often. But like they're doing like a 10, sometimes 15 minute monologue, depending on what's going on in the news. But, you know, frankly, who cares about what's going on now? We're talking about the 90s. (laughs) That's right. We don't need today's news. We want 1993. Exactly. (laughs) Now, um. Uh, uh, for Nicholas, uh, I was I was curious. Did you recognize Nicholas from anywhere else? I mean, he looks familiar, but I can't place him for the life of me right now. I, I did a very very little bit of digging. Uh, he's played by an actor named Chauncey Laparty. I think I'm pronouncing that last name right. He has 38 total roles, uh, acting roles to his credit. But he's perhaps best known. For a little movie he was in that premiered about five months before this episode before this episode aired, where he played a character known as Squints in the Sandlot. Oh, yes! For all of you Sandlots fans, Nicholas is Squints, <laughs> and we will never see Nicholas again in the universe of Boy Meets World. <laughs> is he the one with glasses? He is indeed. Okay. Um, it's been so long since I've watched that movie. And it's always one of those that my wife and I'll go, hey, what do you think about watching this? And then we'll convince ourselves to watch something else. But it's it's one of those we, we got to watch soon. I think we'll probably <laughs> show our son it because I think he'll like it. Oh, yeah. I think he will. Mm-hmm. Especially when Samson gets out. all righty uh so we move into the classroom because the bell rings and the boys are quite disappointed and now they got to wait four hours to lunch oh Um, yes (laughs) so we're in the classroom and uh feeney is trying to get uh them to do Romeo and Juliet a little bit of it Um, there's actually a girl laying down on the desk which you know uh, this day and age that's kind of odd Um, and Feeney actually has a plastic knife that uh, the boy is supposed to use to Mm -hmm. quote unquote fake stab himself which is Uh, odd considering I believe uh, Romeo poisoned himself rather than stabbed himself Yes, yes, but uh, <laughs> could you uh, confirm with me, is this something in the 90s you were just allowed to do? 
as far as the using props and that kind of an experiential atmosphere, sure. Yeah, we were allowed to. We we weren't. Uh, at least in my school district, we weren't. Uh, you know, we didn't have metal detectors or anything like that. Um, but it was a much different time. Um, uh, schools were a lot different then. And I'd say this classroom, at least for this class, although I will be quite blunt, I don't remember ever touching Shakespeare in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. That's just mm-hmm. my school experience. Um, that was something that our school district didn't do until, you know, eighth grade, maybe not even high school when I was in there. But yeah, that kind of uh, acting it out type of thing, that was something that we did have a fair amount of teachers that would be encouraged to do so, even with fake prop knives. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, we're just going to go ahead and go ahead and announce this is the first episode that has Romeo and Juliet as uh, a main focal point. Uh, trust me, this will return. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, the lesson's trying to go on, and Corey and Sean are in the back. Uh, Corey's attempting to listen to a baseball game, because the Phillies uh, are trying to make a playoff push, apparently. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, again, Sean's in the back trying to warn Corey, hey man, you gotta be careful. Then Feeney walks up, realizes what uh, he's doing, and uh, takes it away from him. But before he just takes it away from him and gives him detention, because he will, don't worry, we'll get there. Uh, at first, Feeney starts going through the play-by-play. I love when he does this to him. He gets a little bit into it, gets a little theatrical with it. He's back to the wing track, up the wall, and shuts it off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, and I think this is a good point, to good places to talk about this. But um, when the man who played George Feeney, um, I'm currently blanking on his name. I know it's Bill William something. William um, Daniels. Yes, thank you. I, I had Daniels. I had William. I didn't know how they connected. But yes, <laughs> William Daniels. Uh, you know, he, he talked openly uh, often on like panels. And I'll say, like, I didn't want to disrespect teachers. I know how hard they work. I know how difficult their lives are. And he really wanted to bring respect to teachers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because through most TV shows and movies, you know, teachers and principals and administrators are these nincompoops. You know, they're they're a foil to the hero. Mm -hmm. Um, And he didn't want to be that. You know, and so I think... I think in this in the pilot episode, you're really seeing of this give and take back and forth relationship where Corey tries to give him sass and attitude and Feeney gives it right back to him. (laughs) (laughs) I really do admire their relationship. And I've always given uh, William Daniels all of the, the credit in the world for as much care and respect and reverence as he had for that role, specifically for that reason. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Corey is then upset and he tries to yell at Feeney about, hey, that's mine. Um, <laughs> the girl who is on the desk uh, tries to hurt Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> if you stab um, me, you better do it right the first time. <laughs> right. <laughs> A little bit of sass. Mm-hmm. But all this leads to Corey uh, getting detention on Friday, and I which got a, is a got problem. A, I've got a little clip here for us. I've, I've uh, oh. snagged some clips from the episode, so let me share that nice. one. Set us up here. The tragedy here, Mr. Matthews, is not about a dumb girl or the boy who kills himself because of her. It's about the all-consuming power of love and the inevitability of its influence on each of our lives. Are you aware that I'm only 11 years old? Are you aware that you have detention Friday afternoon? No, actually, I did not know that. That's this perfect example of that, that back and forth. Very sassy and still respectful, you know? Right. Well, and I think it's just that at the end, he is still the authority. Mm-hmm. So he's willing to give his students room to, for lack of better wordings, hang themselves. Um, and when they cross the line, he says, nope, you've crossed the line. Now you have to deal with consequences. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So, 
Nothing but respect for Mr. Feeney's uh, prowess as a teacher. Uh, so then we move into the next scene, and the first scene in the Matthews house. And it takes place in a very special uh, location, Corey and Eric's room. Uh, if you don't know, Cor- uh, Eric is the older, cooler brother to Corey. Oh, Corey yes. is the middle. Um, and eventually we'll meet Morgan, his baby sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we discover that uh, Eric's trying to get a date, and he succeeded. And unfortunately, <laughs> it's on Friday. Uh, so a lot of things are coming into place on Fridays, making it much difficult on our young friend, Corey Matthews. His world is just coming apart at the seams at this point. <laughs> yep. It's like his world is just shaking. <laughs> and I really have to point out, at this point, Eric is seen, at least from Corey's vantage point, Eric is... A very cool guy who uh, almost can do no wrong. There's very Mm -hmm. little that he could do that would really knock him down off the pedestal of Corey's eyes. Yep. Until he really, right? He really looks up to him, and you know they have a they they truly do have a special relationship. Um, You know they're forced to share a room. and at the end of the day, they're both trying to just do whatever they can to get to Friday, like mm-hmm. most kids. <laughs> uh, Eric has a date, though, and Corey just now is trying to get to that baseball game. And unfortunately, he's learned that uh, he's no longer going to the baseball game because uh, Eric's taking his uh, date, Heather. <laughs> you could be cool about this or Dad! Dad! <laughs> Yeah, that never works. <laughs> yeah. So then, you know, our first scene in the bedroom is over. And now we're off down to the uh, stairs where Corey is about to get to his dad's attention when mom steps in. Uh, we meet uh, Amy Matthews, Corey's mother. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of concerned of, hey, uh, I heard you got detention. Corey's <laughs> like, how did you know? <laughs> and then we learn... That uh, Mr. Feeney isn't just Corey's teacher, but he's also his next door neighbor. <laughs> so again, his world is a little more complicated than we thought it was going to be. It is. Uh, how, how did how did you possibly? How could you possibly know that? <laughs> he poked his head over the fence. <laughs> uh, you you bought a house next to my teacher. I want to move. Right. I want to move. Get the guy with the golden jacket. Yeah. But I love I love this here. Uh, Alan and Amy, Corey's parents, they don't jump right into discipline mode or mm-hmm. uh, or uh, immediately laying out a punishment framework. Their first question is why? Why right. did you get uh, why did you get detention? And Amy has Mr. Feeney's reasoning that he'd be more interested in the game than learning about uh, Romeo and Juliet. But even their body language, it's it's a very laid back, very open. And it mm-hmm. opens up that conversational window for the three of them to have a conversation to learn what the impetus for this uh, detention was. So that it's not just a, I'm your parent, you're in trouble, I'm the authority figure. There's, there's communication up there. There's dialogue to be had there. And that continues through the conversation as it moves on to Eric and the baseball game dilemma. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, you know, Alan, he just like he repeats like three times. Why did you get detention? Mm-hmm. You know, and he starts to get a little more firmer with it. But, um, you know, he's not like getting up in his face, you know, and trying to be the authoritative dad. Oh, and I think yeah. in TV, a lot of times at this time, we saw a lot of authoritative dads. Yeah. And he wants Corey to explain himself. He wants Corey to right. take some uh, some responsibility for right. his choices and be able to mm-hmm. explain that and, and to even to understand himself. Why? Right. Yep. And then we get the cutest kid in all of television, Morgan. Because um, Corey says it's probably one of my favorite lines. Mom, I'm a kid. I don't understand the emotional content of Full House. I do. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's so adorable. Um, yeah, but that's the fir- one of the first uh, big uh, '90s uh, bombs in here is uh, Full House because this Full that House, show was a powerhouse at the time. Full House is a TV show in the universe of Boy Meets World. There's no chance of a crossover. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think there's a chance that there still could be. Girls' <laughs> <laughs> World um, Full House, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, I I will say in thinking of dads at the time, even though, um, you know, uh, Bob Saget, uh, who played Danny Tanner, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, God rest for him. But like he was still such a tall person that there was a there was a physical dominance to his girls Mm-hmm. Where a lot of times I think we see a- Alan, he's sitting down, he's relaxed, you know, he's just spending time with his kids. Where mm-hmm. it always felt like Danny Tanner was doing something, he was cleaning something, he was always moving, he was always doing stuff. And when he'd talk with them, he was always kind of a lot of times standing over them, you know. And, and even with Danny, with his job as a as an on air news personality, a lot of his scenes with the girls, he'd still be in the suit and tie. Even even mm-hmm. or at the very least more of a, a more of a uh, a professional dress alan a mm-hmm. lot of the times you'll see him in a sweatshirt or even if he's wearing a tie he's in jeans or he's got a more casual jacket on so it's a lot mm-hmm. more laid back the the costumers are, seem to be very intentional about that to to give that family dynamic a little bit of an extra thought there Mm-hmm. Um, this does lead into Corey kind of being uh, a little on the meaner side to his sister. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mark is just trying to help, trying to be cute. And Corey's just kind of thrown a lot of uh, preteen, angry sass towards her way. Um, you know, and I just don't think she deserves that. I'll call um, Corey sass. <laughs> <laughs> Corey sass. Why don't I just run around the field in my Spider-Man underwear? You don't have to dress up on my account. <laughs> but she gives it right back to him without realizing it, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. She's just too cute. Uh, you know, and then Corey's trying to still get back to the, the point at hand of, hey, he promised me baseball tickets. This is our thing, and he's ruined it. And Amy's response is, oh, you got the date? I'm so happy for you. <laughs> oh, yes, and now, that's the mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, now Corey feels like, okay, well, mom's not on my side, which means dad's not on my side, because dad says, hey, he paid for the tickets. He can take whoever he wants. So now who can he trust? And Morgan's still going, well, you can trust me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I got to say, um, you know, I probably will always relate most to Corey, no matter what phase of life I am in. If I, As I look at it, you know, at the, the age I was at the time that Corey would be, I probably acted very similarly. Um, and so when he's giving a lot of attitude and sass towards his sister, I'm like, oh, yeah. I probably did the same thing. <laughs> so I'm sorry, baby sister. You didn't deserve that. <laughs> All right. But anywho, uh, so we move back to the school, back to the cafeteria. Corey, Sean, and Nicholas is sitting around discussing uh, what they got for food. Um, and, you know, apparently Nicholas is an only child, so uh, he has special food made up for him. And uh, Sean fun, is fun to note. Oh. Sean reveals there that he's not an only child. And, you know, the, we, we first learned there here in the pilot, Sean is not an only child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll meet uh, Sean's siblings as we go along. And we're going to have to figure out uh, canon-wise in the uh, Dad's uh, Meet World podcast canon, how is this possible for Sean's how siblings to be how they are? Um, well, anywho, this is what Corey reveals. I'm living on my own. I'm living in the treehouse. He's an and they're orphan. just like, huh, that's cool. <laughs> yes, he's an orphan. Now, um, I, I never had a treehouse, but mm-hmm. I would consistently, I, I would have uh, a tent, uh, either an A-frame or a little do- uh, dome tent, you know, two to three man tent as a young teenager, middle schooler. And I would set that up in the backyard and sleep outside all summer because that was the only way I had my own room. 
but it wasn't because I was mad at my parents and wanted to be an orphan. But, you know, I can kind of see where uh, uh, where Nicholas and Sean are thinking, wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah, you're on your own doing your own thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing is I think Corey in the beginning was trying to be this rebel, you know, and be cool, and just like his brother, you know, be confident. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, as the, the episode goes on, you know, Eric is trying to make it clear to him of like, I am not what you think I am. Stop putting me on this pedestal. Um, you know, do not be like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Corey's trying to convince the guys, hey, let's go to the game. And they're like, um, with what money and how are we going to get there? And the game sold out. It's like, ah, we'll deal with it. And Sean's like, uh, you also have detention Friday, buddy. <laughs> and he's like, ah, he loves me. He'll let me out of it. He's like, nope, he hates you. It's one of the two. Yeah, it's one of the two. Uh, so then Corey goes over to Feeney uh, on his lunch break. And yes, so he then says one of probably the best uh, dialogues in the whole show. He says, Mr. Matthews, I spent 35 to 40 hours a week dealing with perceived problems of whiny little people like yourself. Now, this is my lunch period. (laughs) My reprise from the fray. I spent four hours every day, every morning, and three hours of you every afternoon. Now, for God's sakes, get out of my face. (laughs) I love it. It's perfect. <laughs> uh, I will say a, a movie, I can't remember how many years ago it was, you know, a few years ago came out called uh, The Edge of 17. And there was a teacher that a like, kid walked into the room going, I'm going to commit suicide. And he goes, oh, well, I too am writing a suicide note. And it's just like, you know, every single day the student comes in and bothers me when all I want is 30 minutes of quiet and no teenagers around. Um, Another good coming of age story. Um, But uh, anyway, we don't care about what's happening nowadays. We care about what happened in the 90s. All right. Get back on track. Yes, exactly. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it is that. Sass coming back at Corey of, hey, you have my attention all the time. Give me a few minutes. And is this school poor, so poor that they can't afford to have their own teacher's lounge? In Philadelphia, I wouldn't be surprised, but I think it was probably a more real world reason they didn't <laughs> have the sets and it just yeah. moved the story along. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and then, you know, Feeney's trying to flirt with Evelyn. Corey's saying that he uh, hates him and she goes, oh, he definitely does not hate you. And I love, I love the two of them give each other this little, you know, crap uh, eating grin, you know, towards one another. Like, yeah, kind of. He hates me. (laughs) (laughs) I love those, those smiles. They kind of smirks they give each other. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's perfect. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, then, we have this heartwarming moment where um, we're in the treehouse as the first night there and Amy goes to give him his dinner because, you know, she's a good mom and wants to make sure he eats. Uh, but then also messes with him a little bit about, you know, the fact that it's after dark and she gives this kind of evil, you know, goofy laugh. <laughs> and I just love how playful she is with her kids. Mm-hmm. You know, again, she's not coming out there yelling at him, get your butt in here. You know, like he's like, hey, if he wants to spend the night out here, we'll keep an eye on him. It's, you know. We're in a safe neighborhood. Like, we're not going to worry about it. Yeah, they're allowing him to to have a unique learning experience. You know, it's it's his treehouse. It gives him a sense of freedom and independence while having his hissy fit. But he's still in their yard. He's still under their supervision. He's still safe mm-hmm. under their care. And they're still protecting him. And she's still bringing him dinner. Yeah. Now, from what I understand of mothers, um, they do not sleep at all, even on a good night. So my assumption is that Amy, every 20 minutes on the dot, got out of her bed, went over to check, is Corey still there? I guarantee And at you. least probably three times in the night, she walked out there just to peek up. Yep, he's still there. And then walked back out and probably sent Alan out there at least once, you know. <laughs> 
just oh, he, made sure he also checked on him too. He probably either slept in the kitchen at some point or on the uh, on the ground underneath the treehouse for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean so. it's a nice neighborhood they live in, but still, right? But you know, like that's the part I think of the show that they're not going to show is that yes, they're willing to let him do that, but at the same time, they're still going to take the steps to make sure he's okay. Mm-hmm. So, but as as now parents, we understand there's no way you're letting your kids sleep out there all night and not check on him once or twice. Indeed, you know, unless you're just. You know, you're one of those parents that uh, takes the medicine and goes to bed and then clocks out. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes you need to. Mm -hmm. Yes, sometimes you absolutely need to. Um, And then Morgan tries to comfort him and tries to see, hey, do you need Dolly? And he's like, no, I don't. Go away. (laughs) The first weapon I'm going to grab is a chick with a head that flies off. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Again, though, you know, Morgan's just trying to be a sweet, helpful mm-hmm. sister, and Corey is just rude and nasty to her, and it's not very nice. He's not. Yes, and again, <laughs> I'm sorry. Get off my back, girl. <laughs> um, but then Corey gets a peek over at Mr. Feeney's uh, dining room and uh, sees that he's setting a plate for two, and then he's now setting just a plate for one. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time we hear that classic uh, Boy Meets World somber music, you know. And I think it's kind of that, like, reflective, like, what am I seeing here? How do I understand this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a uh, credit to, to Ray Colkert, uh, composer for the series. He he did manage to craft some some really good stingers there that would... Uh, uh, just just a little bit of, of emotion there to really set the tone. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's it's clear that Corey doesn't really want to stay out there, but I think it's like he's made his bed and he's going to sleep in it no matter what. He's a very proud boy. Yes. <laughs> Not so that they, they share their sad dinner together with, you know, Mr. Feeney none the wiser. Yes. Uh, and then probably my favorite scene in the whole episode is the next one when Corey tries to go into him and Eric's room to get clean underwear. And Amy <laughs> just happens to be coming out of the bathroom. And so she, you know, takes a little toy gun and goes, freeze, mister. <laughs> and uh, their their conversation is it's just so great. I, I clipped that one for us as well. So let's uh, let's listen to that. Great. You still feeling a little abandoned, Cor? Yeah, well, life goes on. Yeah, that's what your dad said when it happened to him. Why? Who abandoned dad? You did? I never did anything like this to dad. Oh, when you were little, you couldn't wait for your dad to get home from work so you could throw the football around with him? I'll tell you something, he looked forward to it as much as you did. So how come we don't do that so much anymore? Well, you got a little older, you had a bunch of friends... You're more interested in throwing the football around with them. Wait a minute. It sounds like you're saying I'm the bad guy. No, honey, there's no bad guy. All I'm saying is it is natural that people grow up and priorities change. Okay? Mom? Hmm? You were always very cordial to me when I lived here. (laughs) Thank you, Corey. And I give you my word that the new boy will never replace you in our hearts. I just, I love that line so much. It sounds like you're saying I'm the bad guy. She's like, no, no one's the bad guy here. Mm-hmm. It's not as black and white like that. It's not. It's very I mean, profound. It's just life happens. People grow up and things, you know, situations change. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I can see that at many stages looking. I, I have three children of my own that are. Uh, two of them are two years apart, and the third one is five years different from uh, the middle child. And you can point to many different times where there have been splits where uh, previously two of them were really close and connected, and then all of a sudden one just kind of shot off somewhere else. And it's no one's fault. It's just mm-hmm. life happens. No one's the bad guy. It's just something that happens. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's just one of those things, especially as a younger sibling, it's it's so hard to wrap your head around of, well, why is this happening? Why are these changes occurring? Um, 
And I just appreciate that it definitely feels like Amy and Alan understand it's not just a, a one-time thing. Like, it's something that Corey has been festering with and dealing with and kind of growing frustrated with. And so it kind of feels like it's the culmination of, hey, he needs to learn a lesson. He needs to figure this out for his own. And we're going to be here for him, but we're not going to feed him the answer. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I just I love the fact that Amy gives him really good advice and it just shows that like she's not just a mom who's just there because oh, so often in these shows again at this time either there was one parent that had all the answers all the advice and then the other parent was just kind of there to be almost a joke sometimes mm-hmm. um, or just to give a couple funny one-liners but amy truly is a really good mom yeah and they really are a, a genuinely dynamic team. They work together. There's give and take, and they're they're not there to to be a hindrance or an obstacle to the other one in the parenting right. process. Mm-hmm. Well, and you you feel that they're a team, you know, mm-hmm. and it feels like you know as they talk about things, it's like okay, when we talk to him, this is what we're going to try to do, um, you know, and that's what you have to do eventually. Yeah. My wife and I are constantly talking about how are we going to handle these things, and most often we get it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Yes. But now we move into the penultimate scene, the life lesson scene. Could we could we have like a phrase that's like this is the 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 teachable moment scene the the weekly? (laughs) We, We need we do need something for that. Confused, Mr. Matthews. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or, uh, Mr. Feeney's my teacher. He hates me. <laughs> so we cut to detention. Uh, Corey is kind of bored, and Feeney is straight up ignoring him. And Corey decides that he's going to push the limits. Mm-hmm. Find out where Feeney is going to start yelling at him. Um and it kind of feels like it's annoying him that Feeney's not paying attention, you know, mm-hmm. so much so that he stands up, he starts dancing, he starts going towards the door, he uh, walks out of the door, he shuts the door. I'm in the hall. Abili <laughs> yeah, comes back in. This stinks. <laughs> and it's kind of hard because uh, on the one hand, it, it plays like it's just, oh, man, he's not paying attention to me. It's just not fun. But on the other hand, like, he legitimately could have just walked out. But mm-hmm. it really does, it speaks to how he's been brought up. He's been instilled with a sense of responsibility. He mm-hmm. has punishment that he has to serve. Earlier in the episode, he said, you know, he'd, he'd find a way out of it because Feeney loves him. Well, he just showed that he could legitimately walk out of the building because clearly Feeney's not going to give him the attention he's asking for there. But his moral core is saying, no, you need to follow through on this. And so, yeah, sure. It plays as uh, just not as much fun when you don't play along, but underneath you, you still have that there. Mm -hmm. Well, and to pull back the curtain a little bit upon us, like, as people who do youth ministry, um, Mm -hmm. you walk a very fine line um, because you don't have the authority as a teacher does to say, it's my way, the highway, I'm going to fail you, I'm going to give you detention, you know, any of those things you don't have. They're there Mm -hmm. voluntarily. So if you have a kid that's being disrespectful, not listening, not doing what they're asked to do, you know, you can kick them out but are they going to come back? You know, it's not mm-hmm. like school where they're required to be there. Yep. And so I've, I've had many of, of nights of, I really want to just take this kid out of here and tell him don't come back because <laughs> you're too disrespectful. But on some levels, I got to let him play out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even had essentially a detention like moment once where I had a kid who was like, you, I was like, you wanted my attention. That's all you wanted. Here it is. It's, it's all yours. And you go, can we, can we go back to the group? I'm like, no, you wanted my attention. I'm giving you a hundred percent my attention. It's whatever you want. I'll give it to you right now. Let's talk about it. What do you want to talk about? Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, I don't like this. This is uncomfortable. I'm like, this is what you asked me for. 
So, yeah. Um, so then we uh, do you happen? Did you take a clip of the speech that Feeney gives to him? Uh, I, I I have part of it. Yes. Um, okay. When That's right. when Corey shares with him that he's figured out the the point. We got a little okay. bit there. Yeah. So here it is. You shrewd little observer of the human condition. (laughs) How blissful it must be for you to have lived so little and yet already reached your conclusions about the greatest wonder of the universe. You know what, Mr. Feeney? Keep the radio. Shakespeare wrote plays and sonnets. The Greeks wrote tragedies and comedies. Robert Burns, Emily Dickinson, the Brownings examined the depths of human emotions. And do you know what each one of these poets, playwrights, and philosophers had in common, Mr. Matthews? They all took your class? (laughs) Every one of them was older than 11. come into my classroom at the beginning of the year and at the end you go and I really don't know if in the time we spent together I have taught you anything. Well, this afternoon, Mr. Matthews, you are going to learn something from me. Do I have your attention? Yes, sir. Now, there may or may not be more of that uh, lesson Mr. Feeney teaches when I share what Mr. Feeney taught me in this episode when we wrap up. All right, cool. Um, yeah, I just, I love this so much. Because um, uh, almost to what I was just talking about, it's almost like Feeney had kind of a breaking point of, I'm going to teach you something, whether you want to learn it or not. Mm-hmm. And I like that you kind of get a glimpse of the real Corey and being respectful. Yeah, for as much as they trade their barbs throughout the episode, you you see that breaking point in Feeney and Corey, there's no defenses there. And it's you see just how rare it is. Mr. Feeney addresses Corey as Corey in, uh-huh. in this moment, not as Mr. Matthews. And as he's speaking here to Corey about the love of, this, of his family, and he really gets to the core of what makes love worth pursuing and ties that all back into what he was attempting to teach the entire class about mm-hmm. the nature and the value of love. This is all without the defenses down, the, the, the shields, the barbs, the sass. It's all gone. Everything's out on the table. And these are just two human beings who live next to each other, teacher, student, George and Corey, just here. I want to teach you something of worth and I want to make mm-hmm. sure that I know you got it. Corey. Right. Well, I like that it's it's not about the actual subject. It's about can you comprehend this? Mm-hmm. Are you willing to ponder this? It's not just about st- school. It's about life. Can you recite this and remember it for a grade and two weeks on a test? (laughs) Right. So we'll we'll get back to that when we talk about the lessons uh, for of the day. Um, So we get to the Matthews living room, uh, and we have Corey trying to uh, sneak back into his house because again, still living in the uh, um, the treehouse. Must have got those underwear. (laughs) Yeah, um, the assumption it was probably like a night <laughs> that he was there. That would be my assumption. It seemed that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I mean, it could be two nights. Who knows? Um, it just all depends upon when this happened. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but we're there and uh, Corey runs into Morgan and Morgan's all excited. Like, are you moving back in? Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, don't tell anyone. And immediately, yeah. Corey's back. <laughs> uh, and I love how Corey turns around and Alan's there. And uh, Corey really just opens up to him in this genuine moment where you get to see how he's processed, not just what he learned from Mr. Feeney in detention, but what he learned from talking with Amy, uh, what would be mm-hmm. presumably the day before or earlier that morning, however the time worked out. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I just love this moment because, again, Alan's continuing the bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's one of the things I love about him and Amy both is that it's like they're continuing. It's almost like they're they're trying to play at the level that Corey and them will understand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not trying to be the authoritative parent. They're just, you know, he, he immediately is like, well, good. Dinner's on the table and the kids have been animals. <laughs> um and Morgan loves it. So you, you have her giggling and it's so cute. Mm-hmm. Um, but Corey says, you know, you know, Hey, I'm really sorry that I abandoned you. Um, he was like, what are you talking about? And I, I, I don't think I realized it until watching it with my son of how many things my son does. And without question, I forget all about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he's four, so who knows what he's actually remembering. But I'm sure he's going to come to me at some point and go, hey, I'm really sorry that this thing happened. I'm like, I don't know clue what you're talking about, buddy. But, you know, thanks. F- and I love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I love when he hugs him and he immediately, you know, they both yell at each other. No, don't, don't hug, hug me. me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They know. And then we move back to the boys' room. Uh, we find out that... Uh, Let's just say Eric's date didn't go so well. And maybe he would have been better off taking Corey with him instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I Corey, love that. I love Corey gives him dating advice, that this sixth grader is giving his big brother dating advice. <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of awkward, don't you think? <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> take her, hey, to, take her to the movies. At your skill level, that's perfect for you. <laughs> yeah, that's... A little weird. I mean, I get it, but, you know, it's a little weird that it's coming from. But I I think it does show the dynamic within the two brothers of they're both willing to discuss their issues of the day with one another. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like they just come in and they ignore each other. Like, you know, they're, they're open about stuff. Um, and I love that, you know, Corey's trying to encourage him. Hey, you're cool. Of course you'll want to date you. And he's like, I'm not cool. Stop <laughs> saying it. <laughs> It's like, no, but you mm-hmm. are. And a rare um, moment of Eric honesty that we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think that's so interesting in the pilot because the original conceit of Eric is the cool brother. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's almost a facade. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a fan theory out there that uh, since Corey is a central character and the central narrator so to speak that uh, we see the world through Corey's eyes and that you can attribute Eric's devolving personality intelligence character through the years as his younger brother grows and sees him and goes from seeing him up on a pedestal to at his same level to man I guess I kind of am smarter than you in some things. So there's Mm -hmm. this fan theory out there that says that, you know, Eric doesn't get dumber. We just see him through Corey's eyes. And Mm -hmm. as Corey grows, we see him as Corey sees him. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I have also heard that theory. And also Will Friedell addresses that at a convention. And uh, he doesn't believe that's the case. He thinks that Eric uh, froze to death and uh, all all the things we're seeing are things in his head. I'll stand by my he got hit in the head I one know. too many I, times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I prefer to view it as that. It is that, you know, as he is growing, Corey, he's seeing his brother for who he really is uh, or for who he thinks he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, there is a level of facade. Eric wants to be perceived as cool. Eric wants to be a ladies' man, but mm-hmm. he fails. Um, but I love the fact that Corey immediately goes, hey, you know, Give her a call. Who? My nemesis. Who? My nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And that, that last moment down uh, down the living room with Morgan's a great little button, too. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, I do love that. And that's that moment where he kind of makes up for some of his taking out his frustration on his sister, where he agrees to put her to bed and... You know, play tea with her and, you know, wants to make her know, hey, I still want to do this with you. Mm-hmm. No matter how big I get. 
No matter how old I get, I'm always going to be your big brother. I still always want you to invite me to have tea with you. Yep. And then Boy Meets World does this classic thing where they kind of wrap up the story and then we got to have one last little bit. Uh, and so we, we go back to the uh, uh, cafeteria where we find out that Feeney was not setting a table uh, for he and Evelyn to have a dinner date, but it was his sister. Confused, Mr. Matthews? Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. As it should be. <laughs> It was his sister that called and canceled on him. Evelyn yep. was never invited. Interesting. Well, Evelyn, unfortunately, uh, apparently you're, you didn't get invited back either to uh, another place. Maybe you got transferred to another school. Who knows? But uh, thank you for your service. Uh, and we'll also give out to Nicholas as well. Thank you for your service as Corey's uh, one-time friend. That's right. <laughs> and uh, if I had a I don't, I don't have anything loaded in the soundboard for you guys, so uh, imaginary 21-gun salute for your service. <laughs> Imagine oh, playing the, taps or something. The, the young lady we can't remember off the top of our heads because we're horrible humans. Thank you as well for your service and almost trying to kill Nicholas. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I feel so bad. I don't remember her name. Oh yeah. Um, oh 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 oh. Tell you what. Why don't we move into our uh, our uh, our next segment? Why don't you move us into our next segment? Alrighty. So we've gone through the episode. We've talked out every detail as best we can. So let's go ahead and break down what we learned. This week. You are worth every inch of that C plus I gave you in math. <laughs> All right, so, yeah. uh, Tyler, what did you learn this week? Well, uh, I think one of the things I learned from this episode in particular is I have a lot to learn uh, about interacting with my son um i think i have a bad tendency just due to not how i was raised but just more of what's gotten me through um you know ministry uh teaching um not teaching but um uh substitute teaching school bus driving uh coaching you know it, it's being kind of you know the quick authoritative you know quick yell you know get it over with get it done with and I think I need to sit a little bit more in and just let my son be, you know, allow him to learn, allow him to struggle a little bit. Um, and then there was the other day or something that we were doing that I was like, I'm just going to let him. He needs to do this. He needs to do something on his own. And I think it was like getting dressed or whatever. It was like he was refusing to. And I was like, I'm just going to sit here and wait because I know he can. And I'm not going to rush into there. And I'm, I'm not going to yell at him. You know, eventually he'll figure out if he wants to go do the thing, he'll go and do the thing. Um, so, yeah, I need to be a little more patient as uh, Alan is and just willing to let my son come to me. What did you learn this week, Brett? I would say uh, my lesson that I take from this actually comes uh, from Mr. Feeney himself. Um, and it's, it's this. There is no greater aspiration than to have love in our lives, Mr. Matthews. Romeo knew it and died for it. Others know it and prepare salads. <laughs> and those who don't know it will sit in detention for the rest of their lives. It's so very easy to get caught up in all of the day-to-day -day crap that goes on, uh, both here in my house, here in my neighborhood, in the country, in the world. And it can be very easy to lose just that concept of, of love and to mm -hmm. fall into the mire because love is not an emotion love is something we choose to do 
It's something yeah. that Alan and Amy chose. It's Corey is a product of their love and he is a product of their love every day. And my children are a product of my love with my wife. My marriage is a product of my love with my wife each and every day. It's new. It's, it's a new choice every day. And so Mr. Feeney, uh, you know, it's not necessarily a new lesson. You know, there's nothing new under the sun anyway, but it's a, it's a very good lesson that there's no greater aspiration than to have love in our lives. And so I would say that is what Mr. Feeney taught me. Mm -hmm. I just, I love that, that unlimited potential. And it started with someone saying, I love you. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is really powerful. And, uh, we, uh, we took a couple's retreat and it was amazing because that's all we focused on was each other. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) And, And if you don't, if you don't focus on your relationship, as a parent, you'll suffer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really easy to turn what needs to get done into chores at the house, mm-hmm. uh, including spending time with one another and dates. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, well, before we wrap up, that uh, other student was Kristen Moore. She was playing the uh, character Vanessa Kincaid. Vanessa, that's right. And, uh, oh, that's right. He calls her Miss Kincaid. <laughs> yes. Uh, she only had two other roles in her acting career. Uh, so not not a, a big career. She was uh, apparently out of the acting game by the end of 95. So yeah. not but much But she was adorable and did a good job. Oh, yeah. She had that, had that down pat. <laughs> yeah. Again, thank you for your service. That's right. <laughs> so, Brett... Uh, we're going to give our grades right now. So what would you grade uh, this episode of Boy Meets World? Uh, I gave the pilots a B plus. Very solid intro to the family, to the plot conceits. Uh, you know, could have been stronger, but it was uh, it hit on all all the spots it needed to hit on. So very solid mm-hmm. B plus for me. Yeah, I've been bouncing back and forth between B plus and A minus, And I think I've landed at A minus. Um, you know, I think as we were talking about it more, the more I just love this episode. Um, it's not one I go back to a lot, but there's such good things to pull from this. So I think, I think it's aged better than what I realized. Let us know. Uh, what you think, uh, what your grade would be for this pilot episode, and uh, maybe we'll share some of them. Uh, if you- yeah, in fact, uh, maybe we can put one, we can put a post up on Twitter when this uh, when this drops, uh, asking for your letter grade, and leave your grade in the poll and leave your comments. Maybe we'll read some of the best ones on air. Yeah, that'd be great. Oh goodness, pilots are weird. <laughs> uh, well, uh, that's gonna. <laughs> That's going to wrap it up for this episode, the pilot episode, not just of the show, but for this podcast. That's right. And if you like what you see here, we'd love to have you around for more. So keep following along. We're going to publish every uh, Friday in the spirit of Boy Meets World. They were a Friday night anchor for TJF. You can find us on all kinds of basically anywhere you will find your favorite podcasts. Uh, Apple, Spotify, Spreaker, whatever they come up with between now and the next time we post an episode. And, of course, you can always give us a five-star review if you feel like we earned it. If you don't feel like we earned it, we don't want you to do anything because... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. uh, and but I if believe, you're willing... I believe oh, you can email s- us too, right? Of course, you can. You can email us at... Uh, dads meet world at gmail yes and uh, we have some social media don't we we do uh i'm on twitter you can find me at uh, at tyler volk it's pretty simple i'm the only one (laughs) (laughs) and uh you can find me on uh twitter and instagram at dr headley art uh it's really the most active profiles i maintain Uh, throw up all my stuff there for my art and I'll start throwing stuff up from here, too. 
And uh, we do have a Facebook page for the podcast as well. Uh, we do. Uh, Facebook.com slash Dad's Meat World. Yep. Yes. We can try to keep it as simple as we could. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, so you want to join us again next week uh, where Brett will take the helm as we talk uh, on the fence. But before that, uh, we got to end with a dad joke. That's right. So what do you got for me? Uh, why was the chicken on the treadmill? I don't know. Why was the chicken on the treadmill? It was getting exercising. Oh, boy. I need a rim <laughs> shot. <laughs> I need a rim shot and my sad trombone sound effects. <laughs> now, that's definitely a dad joke, but you know where I got that from? Where is that? My son. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's perfect. <laughs> so... All right. Well, I'll see you next week. Good looking. Yep. As always, we'll see you later. Good looking. You can find Dad's Meat World on Facebook, Twitter, and probably a few other places just by searching for Dad's Meat World. Dad's Meat World is a production of Head First Studios. Head First Studios. Tell your story.